Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Before we move on, I want to share an announcement with you this morning, kind of an upcoming change for the 2018 year here at Tree of Life. You know, we're always looking, asking God, what do we have us do? We're evaluating who we are as a church. What, are, what is our mission? Why are we here on the planet? We just don't want to keep doing things because we've always done them a certain way. We want to make sure we're on mission. And in fact, when we've been in this series the last two weeks and this morning, we'll talk about it, the season that we find ourselves in. And so we, we do feel that we're continue to move closer to the return of Christ, and therefore we need to be on mission now more than ever. And so sometimes that requires adjustments or making changes so we can uh, really focus and emphasize and resource the things that we feel God's having us do. I don't know if you know this, but our mission statement here at Tree Life is connecting families to the life, love, and power of Jesus. That's what we endeavor to do in in so many ways. In fact, if you had a chance to come in August, we shared shared actually a series called I Heart Tree, and we highlighted all the things that we do, who we are, why we do the things we do. And one of the things we talked about, actually three of them, are three primary purposes. Number one is to win souls, soul winning. That is the purpose and reason for every believer, every church. The primary purpose is to win people for Jesus. Amen? Because, amen, that's the, we're a soul-winning church. We're to be a soul-winning church. And so in order to be a soul-winning church, you must structure yourself in a way to be a soul-winning church. So we're out to reach the lost at all costs. And secondly, we see the instruction in the Scripture that we're to make disciples, that we take a believer, a new convert, a new believer, rather, and, and create uh, them uh, followers of Christ. Help them grow in the things of God, discipleship. And so discipleship is a big part of a believer. It helps you walk out a victorious life, enables you, empowers you then to reach other people because then now you're on mission. And then third, we, we understand the scripture says we're to do it by the power or in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's our mission statement. And we, we find all those elements in there working to do that. And so in the world we live in today, we feel that there's an adjustment to be made for us to be on mission, on point with what we're endeavoring to do here at Tree of Life. And you've already seen an emphasis on some of these things. In fact, this fall, you've seen us promote and emphasize groups in a greater capacity. We launched in October community groups, 14 groups. Um, most of them filled up, if not all of them. They're geographically based around the area because we know not everybody that comes to Tree of Life lives in New Braunfels. In fact, just real quick, um, everyone join uh, me in this informal survey by the showing of your hand. If you do not live in New Braunfels, if you do not live in New Braunfels, raise your hand and keep it up for a little bit. So now look around, everybody. Uh, that might be right about 50%. Amen. And that's awesome. I love that. <clears throat> because of where God put us, we have a far-reaching message around the area. And so we're not here just to build a church. We're not here to build the biggest church. We're not here to build Tree of Life to, to a mega church or whatever that looks like. We're here to build a bigger kingdom of God. Amen all around everywhere we can, around here and around the world, amen. We're here to build the kingdom. And so that's what we're endeavoring to do to continue to build the kingdom of God in different ways. And so we are not only just emphasizing groups because we believe that once people come to, the, to receive Christ, then they need to grow in Christ. And, and that comes through relationships and the context of relationships. In fact, everybody needs to be in a small group. And, and you'll measure that out and what you think about it. But as your pastor, everybody needs to be in a small group. That's where we're truly discipled. There's an exchange there, not just perhaps like a lecture or a sermon. At, you get to interact. You get to encourage each other. There's accountability there. There is watching each other's blind spots. There's praying for each other. In fact, just in these community groups, a couple quick testimonies. One group had a person in their group that had a family member pass away. That whole group rallied around them, provided the meals and support and grief support. They didn't have to even call the church or the front office to get help. 
it was taken care of by that group. We had another group that they had a teenage daughter that was in and out of the hospital for a week and the group rallied around them, supported them, encouraged them, brought them meals, prayed for them. That didn't have to come through the front office. Can I tell you, that is the church. That is how we're to function and operate, amen? We all need that. We all need that. The other thing we've been emphasizing is outreach, and you've seen the many outreaches that we've already done this fall. We're going to do that in a greater capacity. In fact, we're going to structure ourselves in a way that we're going to have a specific outreach department headed up by an outreach pastor so we can be more heavily involved in outreach because if we're in the last days, and I believe we all agree that we are, then we just have a, a short period of time to take as many people to heaven as we can, and we need to be on mission. Now, those things require time, and so if we're going to emphasize some things, we understand that everybody has an economy of time to spend, and we think that really the emphasis, or really the, the best way you can spend your time, then is by getting in groups relationally with people and growing in the things of God, and then by getting involved in outreach. So it's not about trying to get the people to come to the church, it's about the church going to the people, amen? And as we do that and touch and impact lives, then people will come here, and then they can get plugged in. But starting in January of 2018, to keep in line with being on mission and the season of life that we find ourselves in at Tree Life to make the greatest impact for the kingdom we can, knowing we have a limited time, we're moving to a format on Wednesday nights we're calling First Wednesday, where the first Wednesday night of the month is a special service. We're having a uh, coming together, hopefully to bring everybody together for a special service uh, for those 60 minutes, whether it be a worship service where we can spend more time and just listening to the Spirit of God and allowing Him to move in our heart and our lives during worship. And we'll have prayer services where we'll have time not only to, to pray as a congregation to pray over people, we'll have celebration services, we'll have guest speakers. We're going to create a very special service around the first Wednesday of the month. Now, having said that, then we're not going to have Wednesday night service the other Wednesday nights of the month. Now, and I know that's hard for some people. We have some really faithful Wednesday night people, and I'm asking you to take that faithfulness and that commitment, that dedication to get connected in a group. Get connected in a group. Develop people and be developed by people. In fact, it opens up another night of the week for people to be group leaders. And so the reality is that we're living in a world that's constantly even more and more busy, so we have to be more intentional with our time, and we want to be on mission and do life and ministry with purpose. That's relationship building and walking out victorious lives through relationships or groups and then reaching the lost. So you're gonna find groups that'll meet different nights of the week. Hopefully, it'll, it'll, there'll be one the night that you're available there'll be groups in your area because you just saw the show of hands and let's just be honest with half of our congregation roughly living outside of New Braunfels not everybody not uh, not everybody can make a Wednesday night service just logistically in fact let's just be honest the idea of uh, not having a Wednesday night service might seem to some people but other churches have Wednesday nights or we've always had a Wednesday night and let me say this we're not competing with the past and we're not competing with other churches we're amen we're not we're not. Here's what we are. Here's what we are competing with. We're competing with homework. We're comp we are. We're competing with bath time. We're competing with extracurricular activities. We're competing with commutes. We're competing with all that. But if then if we can create another night or any night of the week, then you can get plugged in and you can get ministered to. And see, here's the thing. I really felt God put in my heart that we need to connect people to the Savior, not a service. And so when we're in groups, we're connecting people to Jesus, amen, through our relationships. And when we're out there reaching out, we're connecting people to the Savior, and then we can get them in groups. Because sometimes people then look at the service as the Savior. I just need to get to Wednesday night because I know there's going to be a message just for me. I need to get there so people can pray for me. I need to get in that praise and worship so I can cast my care upon the Lord. Can I tell you, you can do that any night of the week. And you should do it with your groups. 
And some of you then, it opens up an opportunity for you to be a group leader. And maybe you want to, if you're a regular Wednesday night, or maybe you want to lead a group on Wednesday night, then I would encourage you to do that and connect with people. So the natural question would be, what about our students? Because we have student ministry on Wednesday night. Can I tell you, we run to the same thing on Wednesday nights. Uh, Wednesday nights is busy. We have, twi- we minister to twice the number of students, junior high and high school students on Sunday morning than we do on a Wednesday night. And so if we can structure our Sunday night service in a way to connect in a greater capacity with our students, we're re- we should do that. That's, we shouldn't have to think about that. Let's do that. And we're reaching more teenagers on Sunday morning. In fact, on Sunday morning, it gives us the opportunity to minister to junior high kids and senior high kids and, and what they're facing in life. Because as it stands now, then we have 11 to 18 year olds all in one service. And can I tell you, they're, they're, they're experiencing different things in life. And so on a Sunday morning, we can have a service where we have the junior high, the things that are directed specifically for their age and dynamic, and the senior high as well. It opens up a whole bunch of more possibilities for ministry. We'll have a first Wednesday night for students where we'll have a big blowout service for them at the same time where they can invite friends and it'll be celebration time and things of that sort. But also understand that we're emphasizing, like I said, groups and outreach. We are going to leaven that into our teenagers. They need to be outreach-minded. Life doesn't need to be about them. Life needs to be about those that don't know Jesus for them to walk through their life victoriously. And then as we can get them in small groups and connect them with other teens with material and studies and relationally where they live in the outlying communities because they can't make the commute on Wednesday nights, we can connect them. Some of you need to be life group leaders for teenagers in your home. And you can connect teens relationally then, so when they go to school, they know other kids that know Christ. They don't feel alone. They have a support system, on and on and on, and I don't have time to go into all that. I just want you to know that for this year, that's been rolling around in my heart, and as we rolled into the fall, we really felt that God had put that for Tree of Life Church, regardless of any other church. Again, we're not competing with anybody else or the past, but Tree of Life Church for this next season, for us to be really on mission with who we say we are, these are the adjustments that we need to make. And I really feel that this is a great move for us, and I think that if you'll jump on board and be a part of that, you'll see your life change, and we'll impact and grow the kingdom of God like never before, to be honest with you. I just want you to know that we have um, been working very diligently as we look to the first part of the year, starting first Wednesday, January 3rd, again, then the first Wednesday in February and on, and we'll we'll share more information with you on that. Now, the other question would be the children. So on Wednesday night, let me tell you how that works. So the elementary age kids from second grade to fifth grade, we're asking for the 60 minutes that we have the service in here for those children to sit with you or to be in here with you. Now, that may be the thing. Well, I'm not coming, I'm not coming then, but that may be the thing that we have to understand that our kids follow our lead. And so we need opportunities as adults and as parents to allow our elementary kids to see us worshiping God. They need to see us raising our hands to our Heavenly Father. Amen? They need to see us entering into praise and worship. They need to see us opening up the Bible as scriptures are being taught and following along. They need to see us engaged so we're responding and saying amen or or we're writing things down. Oh, that's good. They need to see us giving tithes and offerings. If we want them to do those things, we have to model it for them. Amen? It's just the reality of what we live in. So our elementary kids, we ask to be in here with you and take that as a family service that your elementary kids will model what we hope they one day will be. So our kinder first kids will have their own service and then our, our nursery or infants will have their own services will continue over in the children's wing. But we really feel that that's what 
God's asking of us as we look ahead to be a tree life to a lost and hurting world in these last days. We want to be on mission, on point. I'm asking you to join with us, and, and, and this may ruffle your feathers a little bit. We've been praying. I hope that you'll see through this and find a way to connect and be a part of what we believe God's doing in this next season for Tree of Life Church. Here's what we know. Time is short, and so we have to be on mission to make the greatest impact we can, and we believe groups and outreach is the thing that should mark Tree of Life for this upcoming season. Amen? All right, all right, let's get ready for the word. Thank you. Amen. I know change is not easy, it is difficult, but it is necessary to continue to grow. Amen? And so I just pray that God will continue to speak to all of our hearts. All right. And so Matthew 24, get your Bibles out. Matthew 24, 36, we are going to wrap up our series, Are We There Yet? We're looking at the question, what time are we living in? What is the season? What, what things are happening around about us? What does that mean? Are we in the last days? Are we at the beginning of them? Are we in the middle of them? Are we at the end of them? And you know as well as I know, as you turn on the news, you see all kinds of things happening all the time. In your own life, things happen, and it makes you question what season do we find ourselves in? Where are we on this timeline of eternity? And so Jesus addresses that. Here's what he says, but about that day, his return, the rapture when the church is snatched out. I can't review because of time's sake, so go back and watch the first two messages. No one knows the hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the son. Jesus doesn't know. He says, I don't even know when my father's gonna bring the church out, but only the father. So those people that tell you, and we've seen so many predictions up to this moment in time, and, and, and there's 100% inaccuracy, right? Everybody predicting the return of Christ is batting 100% right now, right? They're missing it. So I don't know what's coming up in the future, but I know that only God knows. And so I just want to encourage you in that. But we do know by the times and the seasons that we are drawing closer to his return. So my goal is to help us understand where we are in time because Jesus is coming again. And so we're going to take a look at the word time or time or seasons. Let's understand that it'll help us see where we are on this timeline. But understand this, we're living in a unique generation that could see his return. I believe that. And so we're going to look at what that means, time, times, and seasons. And let's talk about that. Ecclesiastes 3.1. Turn there for me. Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon. And the Bible says Solomon was the wisest man. God, through the Holy Spirit, made him wise. In fact, he just might be the wisest man that ever lived. And if I believe that the Holy Spirit empowered him, he probably is. So God gifted him with the gift of wisdom. And he's written some books, Ecclesiastes being one, and he gives us instruction for life with the wisdom God gave him. And here's what he says in Ecclesiastes 3.1. To everything, say everything. Everything, there is a season, a time, say time. A time for every purpose. Your translation might say every matter under heaven. Hold on to that phrase, under heaven. So what we see Solomon saying, there's a season to everything, there's a time for everything. There's two different things he addresses, two distinct things. Every purpose or every uh, matter, and he says under heaven, under heaven, interesting. Notice that phrase, under heaven, and if you see this phrase in your translation, it might say under the sun, but if you were to study out the rest of Ecclesiastes, I would encourage you to do so. In fact, from chapter four all the way to the end, I'd encourage you to read that. But under heaven and under the sun is mentioned anywhere from 25 to 30 times in there, in Ecclesiastes alone. And so there's something significant about this phrase. And so I think it's important for us to understand through this phrase will help us understand the concept of time and season because there are two different concepts in our life. Time, according to Solomon, is under the sun or under heaven. Or, in fact, it's the stuff that we live out every day. 
It's the things that happen every day in our life. It's the things that we do or the things that happen around us. And there, there are things that you plan to do and there are things that just happen in time. It's now, it's under heaven. And then, so above the sun must be something because it's implying if, then if there's under the sun, there's above the sun, and then heaven is above the sun and it's a bigger picture. There are things that are happening every day in time on the earth, moments, instances on earth, but then there's a bigger picture to be seen over the sun. So we live under the sun, but we need to have an over the sun perspective of life. It's the bigger thing that's happening. In a sense, it's the spiritual world, and it's what we refer to as seasons, the bigger picture. It's the spiritual world that we live in in order to have peace in the natural world. So if we will learn to understand and perceive things through over the sun or over heaven or in heaven, then we will have more peace as we live under the sun or in our moments in time. As things happen in our life, good and bad, they happen, we'll talk about that in a minute, we need to have an over the sun or a perspective of eternity. And that will give us peace. And Solomon's starting to tell us this, and he's given us wisdom how to manage all that, how to understand all that. So in other words, we need to have a spiritual or seasoned perspective in order to live in a natural world, in order to live in time. And we're all living in time. We're experiencing some of the same things, different things specific to our life, but we all live these moments of time. And so things are happening here. In fact, you're here because of time. This is a moment in time for you. You can turn on the TV and see the happenings of time. In fact, I heard somebody say it this way. He goes, whatever you want to do, don't watch CNN, constantly negative news, (laughs) because you'll get a picture of time under the sun that you won't like. And then if you don't understand the right perspective perspective over the sun, you can live in fear, you can live in worry, you can live in anxiety, you can live in hurt, you can live in pain. Uh, let me give you an example. Jessamy and I, uh, we just got back from vacation a little while ago uh, celebrating our birthdays, and so we, we love to cruise. We save our money. We plan that way. We went, and we have done about all the cruises you can do around out of here. We just love it. And so we flew to Miami uh, to, take, to see some other islands, and so we got on the plane in Austin, and when we were, and I'm not afraid to fly. I love to fly. When we were on the plane taking off, can I tell you, I cannot remember a more bumpy or turbulent uh, takeoff. In fact, it wasn't very far into the flight that it felt like the plane just felt like it had to fall like 50,000 feet, right? Just like everything's screaming and things are going crazy. It's so bumpy and nervous and now I'm praying in tongues beyond my own you know, hearing. Everybody around me is hearing me praying the Holy Ghost, right? So like all this and that. And then all of a sudden we burst through the crowd, clouds rather, burst through the clouds and we're up over the clouds and the sun's shining and it is smooth. Can I tell you, that's the picture here. There are things that happen under the sun that are turbulent, that are up and down, that are bumpy. Don't live there. Don't worry. Don't fear because we're headed above the sun. We have a perspective where things are better, where the sun is shining, and where things are smooth. And Solomon's going to help us find the secret here as well as the Apostle Paul. So we need to learn to live. We live in the moment, but we need to live in the season. Here's what I know about that. We need to live above the sun because the Bible says that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places or we're seated above the sun even though we live here on time on the earth. We're seated right now in church in time, but we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And that's the perspective we need to have. Time refers to a moment, a happening, a situation, uh, a service is a moment in life. Seasons is the opposite of that. It's the big picture Um, We don't refer to it necessarily as time. Times, maybe, if you add an S. 
uh, on there. Uh, it doesn't speak to the moment, but to a collection of them. It speaks to eternal or something bigger. Uh, let me use this illustration. Love football. Love watching football. Yesterday, all the championship games. Enjoyed them all. And I was watching one, and they went to double overtime. And so there's a lot of implications at the end of the season, bowl games, etc. And so double overtime, and all of a sudden, in one moment, on one play, in just a matter of seconds, a pass was thrown as they were trying to score. The other team intercepted it, game over. The offensive team, the team that was on offense, lost the game in one second. But does that make up their whole season? No, they lost a game in one second on one play, but it doesn't make up their season. In fact, throughout the season, a coach will say this, when they lose a game, someone loses a game, don't worry, one game does not make the season. One moment in time does not make the season. Don't panic, it does not make the season. Don't worry, it does not make the season. In fact, just to keep with the analogy, uh, the college football playoff of the national championship, the four teams that will be in the playoff will have at least one loss. It didn't make their season. They're still going to play for the national championship. So understand, one mistake, one happening to you, one thing that goes on God doesn't determine the season. God has a bigger picture. There's a lot of things going on in life all the time, but listen, understand the season that we're living. We'll get there in just a moment. The season is the body of work. So let's take a look for a minute back to Ecclesiastes. You don't have to turn there. I don't have this in my notes for you, but uh, time under the sun. Solomon wrote about the time under the sun. And he goes through 14 opposites, right? We talked about under the sun, there's a season, a time for everything. And so you can get into the next few verses. And now you're probably seeing that song, turn, turn, right? Every time there's a season. Who, who sings that? Anybody know? Anybody older than my 50 years old knows who that, the birds, right? Okay. Hands just went down immediately. There was a bunch up initially. So that song uh, talks about basically this passage of scripture, but listen to what Solomon says. He says, there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to keep, a time to throw away, which I think we need to read this one because we've been going through some stuff in our house and I know most of us don't read this one because some of you out there are hoarders. And there's a time to keep stuff, but there's a time to throw stuff away, for goodness sake. We're going through all kinds of stuff in our house. Some of you, some of you lost kids and pet, pets last year in your garage. It's a time to throw away. And what Solomon's saying, he, he keeps going on to say, he goes on to say this, a time to be silent, which maybe I should have right there, a time to speak, a time to, uh, for war, a time to peace, time to scatter. He's saying, hey, life happens. This will happen one time, and then this will happen another time. And then what he's saying is it happens to everybody under the sun. It happens to all of us under the sun. That's where we live. Ecclesiastes 9, 11, he goes on to say this. I love this passage. He says, I returned and saw, here's our phrase, under the sun in moments in time, the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise or riches to the men of understanding nor favor to men of skill, uh, but time and chance. Listen, time and chance happen to them all. It happens to everybody. Moments of time happen to everybody, good and bad. It's the world that we live in. But we cannot be distracted by moments of time. We have to have an eternal perspective. We live under the sun, but we need an over-the-sun perspective. There's good weather, and then there's hurricanes. There's good cars, and there's lemons. And we've probably all had a couple of the same. There's Democrats that win an election. There's Republicans that win an election. Sometimes the play works. Sometimes it doesn't. The moment they call the play in the huddle and they get up to the 
to the line, and all of a sudden they look at the defense, it's time to change the play, right? And that what they do, they look at the sidelines, and then if you're Peyton Manning, you call Omaha, 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 right? <laughs> right? You call an audible. Why? Things change. I don't know about you, but I can go out my, through my day, sometime at the office, and every, if something changes the way you didn't expect it, just out loud with everybody around you go, Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> They'll think you're crazy, but what that means is you need to make an audible right now. You need to make a change in that moment in time. Here's what it, here's what it, it says, uh, Ecclesiastes 3.11. He, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Don't panic. Don't give up. Don't worry. Don't quit because the times have come the way they've come. It happens to everybody. The pendulum swings one way and then it can swing back the other way. And God can make those things beautiful. Here's what I know. God can make a moment in time beautiful. The Bible says God can make beauty from ashes, the oil of joy from mourning, garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Read Isaiah 61. Be steadfast. Don't quit. Don't worry. Don't fear. Don't panic. Because God can turn that thing around. He can make it beautiful a moment in time. God can take what the enemy, it says in Genesis, means for bad and turn it around for good. And you see this all throughout Scripture. If you study Job, and I don't know that I would encourage you to study Job, but if you study Job, it might encourage you. His life's pretty bad at times. You study Job, there's times in his life where he loses everything. He loses all his family. He loses material things. And then there's a time God restores better than it was before, greater than it was before. If you look at Joseph, Joseph's brother sold him into slavery, and then Joseph became the second most powerful man in Egypt. Why? The pendulum swung. God made that time beautiful. So don't panic. But what, what's the difference? You can talk about David. You can talk about Paul. What's the difference? They were living under the sun, but they had an over-the-sun perspective. They had an eye on the season. The bigger picture. That's what we need to have. When you look at the Apostle Paul, he told us the way to deal with time. He told us how to deal with time, and it's by learning to be content in time under the sun. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Let's take a look. The secret to dealing with time. He says this, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned how to deal with time. I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances are, whatever the time is, I've learned to be content. I know what it is to be in a time of need. I know what it is to have a time of plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every time in any situation, whether a time of being well-fed or a time of being hungry, whether living in a time of plenty or in a time of want. And then he gives us the secret. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I'm keeping my eye on the season. My perspective is over the heaven. The problem is, that sounds easy, yeah. Keep your eyes on Jesus, that's the eternal perspective. The problem is we're human and we struggle with contentment. Contentment's hard to find. Funny story, I was reading different information and stuff and looking for illustrations, all this kind of stuff about contentment. And let me ask a question. How many of you like just black coffee? Just black coffee, raise your hand. Okay, that's good. So I've have, I don't really drink much coffee, but I have a daughter that works on the grind and she's corrupting me. She's sucking me in, sucking me into that. But I don't drink that black coffee stuff. I gotta have all kinds of stuff in it. But here's the thing I was reading and the, the, the single largest order ever that you can order in Starbucks had 15 things with it, 15 things. That's somebody that needs to be content with some black coffee. Give me a break, right? <laughs> and if I read right, the cost for that one cup of coffee was $47.50. My goodness, you need to get in a church and give money to the needy or whatever. I, what, you got that much money sitting around, right? 
We struggle with contentment. It's because we live in the moment. And I'm not discounting the power, the importance of the moment, the hurt, the pain, the disappointment, all that stuff. But I'm telling you, as Paul said here, I can do all things as I keep my eyes above the sun on Jesus. It'll help us manage it. It'll help us live the moments better. Paul was the one to speak about it because he had an eternal above the sun perspective. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was snake bit. He was stoned in prison. And he's like, I don't know why these things are happening. They're just happening. But I'm going to trust God. I'm going to have above the sun perspective no matter what. We need to learn to be content in the under the sun time. Stay steady. Don't panic. Don't fear. Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes, in fact, if you were to read chapter four and again, read chapter four on, he tells us uh, in chapter four how to enjoy our time, how to manage our time how to live our time, how to do it well, how to overcome with our time. The wisest man ever, as God gave him that wisdom, tells us that yes, we have moments of time and the pendulum swings, all these ways that we can do well. And here's how he tells us that we can do well with our time. He tells us stuff is gonna happen, but you need people. If you look in chapter four, Solomon, who's telling us how to manage time, he says two are better than one. For if one falls, there's another there to pick him up. So he says, and your time of falling, you need someone there that's going to help you out. He says, a good return for their labor when you have two, or you can do more when you're connected. And he says this, two can keep warm, one alone can't. Where you're in that time that you're all alone, you need somebody else. He says, one can be overpowered, but two can defend themselves. And he says, a threefold cord or a cord of three is not easily broken. You know how Solomon, the wisest man in the Bible, tells us to handle time, no matter what happens under the sun, it can be beautiful. Here's how he tells us to do it. Small groups. I'm not just making a pitch for the announcement earlier, but that's the truth and the reality. He says, you need to be connected with other people. And as we're moving forward in, in, in the, the future that God has for us in this season, this end time season, and we're looking, how can we be on point? How can we be on mission in a greater capacity? Because time's happening to all of us. Hey, if you read the scripture, we talked the last couple of weeks, we're in a terrible time. Evil days, the Bible says, how are we going to manage that better? Get connected one with each other. Help us keep our perspective on heaven and not under the sun, but over the sun. So what we're doing is creating in a sense, a way for us to connect people in a greater capacity because we have so much, only so much of an economy of time. We're actually restructuring to give you the opportunity to manage life under the sun better. That's what we're doing. Because that's what Solomon says is the way to manage it well. And he goes on to tell us how to manage work. He goes on to tell us how to manage relationships. So he talks about it here. So instead of creating a moment in time uh, on like a service or Wednesdays rather for you to come to a service, we're creating moments in time for you to build relationships to better live under the sun. And you can read through the rest of Ecclesiastes. Time and chance happen to everybody. And if contentment is the secret of time, you need people around about you. I need people around about you that will help me see the things in life. When I'm in the middle of discontentment, I don't see the good things that I have in life. I need people to tell me that I know you're experiencing this right now, but you remember last time and how God came through? Do you remember last time when you lost your job and how God provided you a better job? Do you remember when how you were struggling here and God came this way? Do you remember, listen, 
We can't figure that out on our own. We sit in discontentment, but we need other people. If contentment is the secret to managing our time, then Solomon says you need people in your life because they will help you focus on the right perspective and help you maintain your contentment. When your kids seem out of control, they'll give you hope and help you. Hey, stay steady. God can turn this around. I'm telling you, Solomon is giving us, as well as the Apostle Paul, the key to managing life under the sun, and that is to have an over-the-sun perspective. Once you get your under-the-sun reality or perspective, you can move into the seasons. Ecclesiastes 3.1, let me go on in that scripture. He made everything beautiful in its time. Also, listen to this, also he has put eternity in their hearts. God has put eternity in the hearts of every man. Yes, we are all here in time, and find, we can find contentment, we can find enjoyment, the pendulum will swing, God can make that beautiful. People can help us live that way. But God put an eternity-sized hole in you that no material thing can fulfill. So for man, contentment is hard without an eternal perspective, without an over-the-sun perspective. You're living for under the sun. And so if you take everything in time under the sun and you throw it up above the sun and light of eternity, hey, listen, it's okay because life is temporary. Can I tell you, even a loss in light of eternity is temporary. I heard somebody say this way, don't threaten me with heaven. (laughs) Like that's a bad thing. In light of eternity, look at your moments in time, life under the sun in light of eternity. You can do that because God's put eternity in the heart of every person. There'll never be a satisfaction for under the sun because we have an eternity perspective. And that's why people work and work and work like a millionaire can't be content till they're a billionaire. And a billionaire till they're a hundred billionaire or whatever. But that's never gonna fulfill us. We need to have a perspective of over the sun in eternity. Um, seasons is an eternal perspective. Man can comprehend eternal things. You know, a- animals um, live without an eternal perspective. They're just living till the next time they eat. Well, uh, you know, me too. But anyway, so, uh, you know, <laughs> but they do have an eternal perspective, right? They're waiting for their master to come home. They're doing all those kind of things. But listen, we, we have the ability, the capacity, God said, to have an eternal perspective. And, and I don't know why things happen in our time, why good things happen to bad people and why people get hurricanes and people don't and all that. I, I don't know, but I do know what season I'm in. Time and chance happen to everybody, but it's gonna change Things can turn around. He can bring beauty from ashes. Stay steady, don't panic. I I may have messed up in time. I may have made a mistake in time, but I can be restored in my season. God can restore me in my season. See, we see things in time and God sees them in seasons. The Bible says a day to God is like a thousand and a thousand days is like one. He sees in seasons. And when you get his perspective, everything changes. I know we live under the sun. I know we live in time, but don't be distracted by it. Find contentment and God can turn it around. But don't lose your eternal perspective. Earth is crazy. It is. We live in the days that things are crazy. It's a scary time. But time and chance happen to all of us. But there is coming a day. There is coming a day that we'll be walking in heaven on streets of gold worshiping Jesus. Amen? Some glad morning when this life is over. Eternal perspective. Look what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, right? That's a tongue twister sometimes. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 2. Here's what he says about seasons. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. 
For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. He basically was talking about is there is going to be a change of season. I don't know when it is, he's saying, but you need to be ready because the season will change. And isn't that the question? Where on God's season calendar are we? And then back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he talks about the rapture, the snatching away. Actually, rapture's not even in the Bible. It's the Greek word harpazo. I didn't say that. I didn't pronounce that right. There's a D in there, harpazo. And then in Latin, it's the word rapture, and that's where we get the word rapture. But he talks about a snatching away of the church. He's saying there's coming a season of the snatching away of the church. We're getting close to the snatching away of the church. And the times that we're living in tells us that we're getting closer to the season where there's a snatching away. And so he's talking about it in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5. I believe the season that we're in, we're moving closer to the season of the snatching away because of the time, things that are happening. There's a lot of signs of this time that we're in. But I also see in scripture before the rapture season happens, and you might not agree, I, I don't believe that the church, his church, his bride is gonna be here to go through judgment. I think he's going to take us away before that. But the Bible says one of the signs is going to be a great end time harvest. So where are we when it comes to seasons on God's season calendar? I believe we're in the end time harvest season. And so I know these things are happening round about us all the time in my life, your life, swingling pending here, swing, uh, pendulum swinging here, all that kind of stuff. I, I get that. But here's, here's what I believe. All the stuff is happening. I get that. But we are in the season of the end time harvest. We are seeing people come to the Lord more today than in any other time in history. In fact, over the last 10 or 15 years, more people have come to Jesus than from the beginning of zero to that time in life, 2007. From zero to 2007, more people are coming to Christ in the last 10 years than those, all those years up to then. You don't see it in the news, but in the media, but there's a million people a week coming to Christ all over the world. There's 3,400 churches a day being established. This, this is an old statistic, but 30,000 people in China every day are getting saved. Out of the 193 or 94 geographically recognized nations on the earth, every single one of them, the gospel is increasing except for 20. And surprise, this may surprise you or shock you, the United States is one of the 20. That's shocking, isn't it? But then if you think for a second, you can see that. The immorality, the things that are happening in time here, that the gospel is not necessarily increasing here. And so can I tell you, that's why we need to be on mission. That's why outreach has to be a main thing of what we do. We need to get out, not try and get people to the church, but try and get the church to people. And that's why we need to be, because why? Because that's the season we're in. We are in the season of the end time harvest. So let's be a, a church on point, on mission. Let's connect everybody relationally so they can walk out those ever-changing times in victory. And then let's get out there and take the church to the people instead of trying to bring the people to the church. Why? Because we're in the season of end time harvest and we don't know how long it's going to be. But at some point in time, the season's going to change. So we have work to do. I know that we're in the end time season, no matter what's going on in our life. That's what we know. That's why we're focusing on the, making the adjustments that we're making, focusing on those things. But let's not be discouraged by time and time and time. Let's move in seasons, seasons and seasons. And the season we're in is the harvest season. Let's make the most of it. God is not in panic. God's not panicking. 
because he's moving in the harvest season. He knows the season that it's in. We need to have an above the sun perspective and see the season the way he does. We're living in the greatest harvest season the earth has ever seen in the midst of some of those difficult times we are ever experiencing. But we need to have a perspective above the sun, not under the sun, change our perspective from time to seasons. Matthew 24, 14, closing with this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, that word nations is the Greek word ethnos or ethnic groups, and then the end will come. We are in the end time harvest, that's the season. And when we have, this gospel has had the opportunity to get around the world, then the season will change and he'll come get his church. So let's make the most of the season we're in today. I know that we have to walk through and manage under the sun times, but we'll do that better together. But we also have to be aware of at the end time harvest, we have to get out there and get as many people to the Lord as we can before he comes. So we wanna stay on mission on point, why? Because we're in a season where more people are coming to Christ than ever before and it's the most exciting season to be alive ever on the planet. So hang in there. I don't know what your times are like, what's going through life, hang in there. God can turn that beauty, that, the beauty from ashes. God can make joy from mourning. God can turn what the enemy meant around for good. He can make time beautiful. But keep that perspective over the sun. And as Paul said, find contentment knowing that we can do all things in Christ. We look at this season. And then as Solomon said, while we're in those moments of time, surround yourself, get connected with people because time and, and chance happen to everybody. And we need people. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.